Salam guys, I'm Mohsin. Welcome to this episode of Millionaire Muslim. Before we get into this episode, we just wanted to spend a few seconds telling you about Islamic Finance Guru or IFG for short. Mohsin and I co-founded IFG in 2015 because we couldn't find content about personal finance and Islamic finance for Muslims like you and I. Nowadays, alhamdulillah, we reach an audience of hundreds of thousands and our goal is to keep providing great content to help you guys. So if you're looking for halal investments and Islamic mortgages or startup funding, check us out at islamicfinanceguru.com. And if you want to get in touch with us directly, you can get me on mohsin at islamicfinanceguru.com and you can get Ibrahim on ibrahim at islamicfinanceguru.com. Enjoy the episode. Looking for a different approach to money? Meet Gatehouse Bank a Sharia-compliant UK bank built for the modern world. We help home buyers to purchase or refinance their home, provide buy-to-let funding for landlords, and offer award-winning savings accounts. Wherever you're going, get there a different way. Get there with Gatehouse. To find out more, visit gatehousebank.com. Assalamu alaikum and welcome to the IFG podcast. Sheikh Haytham, it's an absolute honor to have you on with us. Jazakallah khair for making the time. And uh, I've grown up really, you know, listening to you and hearing your lectures. So it's a real privilege to have you on. Jazakallah khair. May Allah reward you. Barakallah fiqh. May Allah reward you. And may Allah reward the brothers and sisters behind Islamic Finance Guru. But you just said that you grow up listening to my lectures. Yani either you meant to say that I'm too old <laughs> or you want to say that you are too young. Which one? Uh, or maybe both, which is worse. I think you should interpret it in the way that... Yeah, you is... know that yani, interviewing <laughs> me is not an easy job. You know this. I don't I, know. I, 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 I feel I'm like sure. I'm being interviewed. <laughs> yeah, of course. That, this is what I do in many cases. Yeah. Um, and uh, I don't know whether you have done your homework about my interviews. Maybe you were listening to my lectures, but not the interviews. Not the anyway. interviews. Yeah, that's. Yeah. I think that's anyway. where I made the mistake. Right. Okay, خلاص. I will not yani, give you hard time. No, no. So, so you can start. No problem. Uh, I remember. started, yani, but anyway. Absolutely. I remember you and you used to come to Jamas quite a lot as well, right? Back in the day. Yes. Uh, so you are not a young person. Then, I'm. Yeah. You? I'm quite old now. I yeah, think. I'm yeah, getting grey hairs in my yeah, beard. Yeah. yeah uh, so yeah. Alhamdulillah. Sheikh, I wanted to ask you, you came from you know, the Middle East to the UK and you're one of the important shuyukh who focus on Islamic finance. And I just wanted to you know, just get your story about how you got into it because not every scholar gets into this area. Yeah. What led you to it? Is, is it yeah. an interest or what was it? Yeah, Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Alhamdulillah wa salatu wa salam ala Rasulillah. Actually, there are a number of reasons behind that. First of all, Islamic finance is one of the miracles. Yeah, and uh, I remember that brother uh, Tariq Niwani, he started his journey towards practicing Islam through Islamic finance when he read about Islamic finance and then he was so amazed that it was so robust system, you cannot fool it. And also it is a system that aims to provide people with prosperity, with fairness, and it is not taking advantage of anyone yeah and no one can taking advantage of his status or his wealth or so on so this is one main reason is that okay it is a miracle so it is really when people go into it and 
read about it, understand it, they will be attracted to it. So initially I was reading about it as I was reading about Islamic jurisprudence. I studied Islamic jurisprudence with different scholars. So I was reading about it and then I started to look little bit deeper into it. This is one reason. Another main reason, uh, I worked for a company called Lucent Technologies. I was a computer engineer and then I moved to this company to work as a quality management consultant, just purely management. And uh, in that company, subhanAllah, I felt that Allah sent me to that company. In that company, I became the imam that was in Saudi Arabia. And it is a big mainly American company, and there were so many expats from different mm -hmm. countries. And they started to ask me at that time, that time was late, uh, late 90s, yeah, late yeah. 90s. So there was a boom in stocks in stock market yeah. and shares. So they were asking me about stocks and shares, etc, etc. So I found myself compelled to study about stocks and shares in order to be able to answer their questions. And in fact, I was planning to do my master's degree on stocks and shares. So that was also a journey. When I came, uh, that was also part of the journey. When I came to the UK in 2001, I found that many of the questions I received, they are related to Islamic finance. So this is also another element. So if you add all these elements, then I found myself uh, okay, going into this field. Then maybe what is that, the tip of iceberg or anyway, is that I found that there is a lot of misconception regarding yeah. Islamic finance, uh, misuse of Islamic finance. And then I found that I have to contribute in correcting these misconceptions. No, Jazakallah khair, Sheikh. You know, it's an interesting journey that because I, what I want to ask you is also about what you found about the Islamic finance industry, because in many ways, I think I share the you know, the same sentiment, which is where I, I came at Islamic finance from a very grassroots level. Mm. Like, what are the individual problems that people have? Yeah. How can we solve them? And, you know, I worked in the city and I saw how Islamic finance is done in the corporate world. Yeah. And I realized that that's not for me. I, yeah. I felt, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, I felt that that wasn't, long term, it wasn't that impactful. Yeah. It, it wasn't going to add value to the world yeah and rather the kind of the way to solve it is you know actually address real needs of people yeah but i wanted to ask you what's your kind of experience of the like the corporate yeah. and personal yeah. and finance and how has that changed yeah. over the time this is a good question actually there are a number of problems regarding islamic finance first of all the limited understanding of islamic finance this is a huge problem. Many mm. people think that Islamic finance is the prohibition of riba, one, and on the other side, providing financial transactions that are Sharia compliant. Mm. That's all. Yeah, Islamic finance. And therefore, they try to produce certain products. Uh, different forms of musharaka, different forms of mudaraba, different forms of murabaha, and so on and so forth. But Islamic finance is bigger than this, bigger than this. And we have to understand that because 
See, in order to be able to provide humanity with the correct solutions, and in order to be able to identify the size of the, the or the gravity of the current problems regarding yeah. the financial system. And as you know that now there is, you know, a discussion, deep discussion, who controls who, politics control finance or finance control politics. Mm. And then ideology, yeah, is in the middle of both sides. Is ideology, does ideology influencing Islamic finance or finance or does ideology influencing politics so these are the three main pl- players yeah. you can say in the world ideology politics and finance yeah this yeah. is my view regarding in any way so who controls who yeah now when we understand the nature of islamic finance and that it is a comprehensive holistic system that is interfering in our social life in all aspects of our life and it is heavily influenced by our ideology then we can understand that if the world does not accept islam as an ideology they will not benefit that much from islamic finance however let me say this is very important islam is a very miraculous religion yeah islam is the light it can penetrate any place yeah you cannot block the light of the sun yeah and the rays of the sun so even if you block it it will still affect the surface mm. yeah and this is the power of islam so even if you do not have an ideological system that can foster islamic finance still islamic finance can be beneficial for that system even if that system is anti-islamic mm still people can benefit from Islam, from Islamic finance as well, even if the system is not just un-Islamic, no, anti-Islamic. Okay, so this is one big problem, a huge, you can say, intellectual, ideological problem about Islamic finance. The second main problem about Islamic finance is that because of the first problem, because we do not have the ideological infrastructure to foster true Islamic finance yeah. and Islamic financial products, what happens is that we started to compromise mm. because we want to fit into a body that is alien to Islamic finance. Mm. So we started to compromise in order to find a place, in order to fit, in order maybe to convince them. And that led to so many problems in Islamic finance. And that's why Islamic finance in many cases is unable to provide societies, different societies with the intended solutions Islamic finance would be able to provide if there was the proper ideological fostering system. Mm. And that what, you know, John Foster, he was the ex-editor of the International Islamic Magazine, something like this. He's a non-Muslim guy. He wrote an article that we need to be aware of it in 2009-10, after the global 2008 recession. And he said, has Islamic finance lost the opportunity to provide the globe with solutions? And he alluded to the fact that 
Christianity has lost the opportunity because Christianity compromised mm. a lot and it lost its value. Mm. Yeah, because see, generally speaking, if I, if I have my own values and you have uh, very simple, very simple, it doesn't need a very intellectual, you know, sophisticated intellectual setup. If I have my values and you have your own values, I compromise my values to fit into your values. I have no values anymore. So the, mm. you don't call them my values. I'm now adopting your values. Okay. Mm. So if Islamic finance is compromising in order to fit into different systems, it is not anymore Islamic finance. Yeah. So maybe it is called Islamic finance, just a name, mm -hmm. just a title, but it loses the spirit, it loses its strength, it loses its ability to provide solutions, okay, for humanity. And this is what is happening now to, it is difficult to say that this is happening across the globe, yeah. but it is happening to many societies, many sectors, and yeah. many even financial uh, yeah. institutions. But Sheikh, so I, we can go into like some specifics in China later on on like Islamic mortgages as an example of I yeah. guess, this discussion. Yeah. But one like broad question I wanted to ask you, which is, I think it's a big tussle that we have to kind of weigh up, which is how do we like this globalized world where everything is so interconnected now yeah. when you're developing you know financial technology these days you're using you know software from america and germany regulation in the uk it's all kind of combined yes. together yes. and the money flows are yes. you know your data might be going to latvia or something how do you provide a system that is truly Islamic. And what I mean by that is, you know, the system that we use in the UK is not really a UK system anymore. Like the UK government, I don't think has that much control over it yeah. anymore. It's almost like these big corporates yeah. these days, they set the agenda. Yeah. And the governments are kind of always trying to play catch up. Yes. So from what you're saying, I think it sounded like we need like an Islamic way of you know, an alternative, you know, yeah. what's the excellent. story? Yeah, excellent. This is really a deep discussion. Okay. And see, remember, I would like to say again, yeah, I would like to re-emphasize on what I have said that even anti-Islamic societies, yeah, they can still from Islamic, they can still benefit from Islamic finance and Islamic finance can operate as Islam, Islam in general, mm. can operate, can function, can flourish in any alien system. This is the nature of Islam. That's why no one can stop Islam. No. Yeah. Similarly, Islamic finance can also exist in alien systems, in anti-Islamic systems. However, it will not flourish that flourishment if there is no ideological framework. This is what I am saying, yeah, because some people might misunderstand this point. Regarding your point, this is a very deep discussion, and now it is discussed on high levels. They say, okay, what shall we do? The entire global financial system is not just non-Islamic, is anti-Islamic. So mm. what shall we do? So we need to work, and this is the type of solutions that I always recommend. And these types of solutions that I always recommend, they are based on the Islamic philosophy. The Islamic philosophy, if you read the Quran, you will see in the Quran, for example, that Quran is dealing with 
all types of people, all types of circumstances, all types of situations, all types of, yeah? If you want to talk about peace, so it is there in the Quran. If you want to talk about fighting, yes? It is there. And so on. You will find both. If you want to talk about love, you will find it in the Quran. If you want to talk about hate, it is there in the Quran because we are human beings. The one who loves, he hates. The one who hates, he, mm -hmm. is, he loves. No one says that I love, I don't hate. It means that he has no emotions and he is just cheating himself yeah okay this is anyway a, a huge intellectual area we can touch on it another time now when we talk about what is the solution the solution is based on what i have said the solution is a multifaceted solution which means that we need to work on different dimensions so we need to work on a dimension whereby if we can produce another islamic system Mm. This is number one. Yeah. However, we should not, and this is wrong. Many people, many Islamic groups, many intellectuals, you know, when they believe in one solution, they just go for that and they become anti other solutions. Mm. Yeah. And this is wrong, whether in social, regarding social problems, financial problems, political problems, there might be, and this is life. Okay. And life is interdependent all systems in life are in the interdependent so you cannot just find a solution okay in isolation and, uh, yeah in isolation or exclusively from other solutions so we need some people maybe some countries to work on producing another alternative completely mm -hmm. different whether that is based on gold or that is based on Another system which I am recommending, I might mention it, okay, in, in, in a minute. On the other hand, we need also to work within the systems or the system that we have now. However, when we work within that, we need to understand what we can compromise on and what we cannot compromise mm. on. And see, this is the problem of jurists, this is the problem of scholars, this is the problem of uh, du'at, scholars, etc. They don't, this issue, uh, either you find strict people, yeah, uh, strict orthodox people, or you find so-called modern liberal, compromising yeah. liberal people. We need to know when we need to be liberal, and we need mm -hmm. to know when we need to be orthodox and strict. Again, if someone were to say, yeah, for example, our especially young brothers, they said, what? We as Muslims need to be liberal. Okay, don't worry about the, the name. But as I said, this is the nature of Islam. Mm. This is the nature of Islam. It fits into any situation and it has the ability to fit into any situation and it to transform that situation into the best situation. Um, simply, a lady just accepted Islam, she might not be wearing the proper clothes. Islam yeah. wouldn't tell her no until you were full veil, full black, whatever, whatever, we are not welcoming you. No, mm. Islam says, no, you are most welcome. And you can perform your salah, prayers, etc. And the Jannah, the paradise is open for you, yeah? So then Islam enters her heart and then she will be 
what developing herself and Islam will not leave her until she practices fully. So similarly, in any system, this is the case. So we need to find a place within the current systems mm. yeah, for Islamic finance mm. and maybe compromise on certain things mm. and not compromise on other things. Let me give you an example, yeah. if I may. It'd be great to talk about maybe Islamic mortgages at this point, because I think that's a... Uh, okay, we can talk about Islamic mortgage, but because Islamic mortgage, maybe we have a limited time, but let me give you an example of insurance. Yeah, sure. Just quickly. See, by the way, I wanted to say, maybe we can have another, uh, maybe... Uh, we should, yeah. <laughs> we should yeah, probably, yeah. That Islamic finance is easy. Hmm. Islamic finance, I written, I have written a summary of Islamic finance in one page. Just one page. And if you understand it, yeah, that is enough. Mm. We tend to make it complicated because yeah. we just want to uh, come across as we yeah. are the experts in Islamic finance, etc. Yeah. All these sophisticated things are applications of these rules, which can be summarized in one page as I have done. See, what is Islamic finance? What is the summary? Any transaction in Islam is allowed. This is the ruling. Al-Asl, Al-Hil. Except, so the haram is the exception. Yeah. Except if it has zulm. Full stop. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Now the zulm can be zulm against other human beings or against yourself, which is zulm against your relationship with Allah. Yeah. Now, zulm against others. Yeah. It can be either a cheating, which is clear anyway. Mm. It can be riba, yeah? Or it can be gharar or gambling, yeah? Or any transactions that will lead to disunity. Yeah. These are the main reasons for the prohibition. The main reasons for any transaction to be prohibited. Now, we can, of course, cheating is clear, yeah? We do not compromise on cheating or in buying and selling that will create problems. What we are left with is mainly riba and gharar. Yeah. I compromise on gharar. Hmm. So insurance that has elements of gharar uncertainty, yeah, I am easy with it, provided that both sides agree to it. Hmm. Yeah, and now there is a trend within uh, Islamic finance scholars and experts to again to overlook that. Hmm. Yeah. However, what we cannot compromise on is what the riba. The riba. Hmm. Yeah. So if we get into non-Islamic setup and we want to produce Islamic products, we need to know that yeah, maybe gharar if there is a consent from both sides, can be overlooked. Yeah. However, when we come to riba, that is not, that is something that we cannot compromise mm. on whatsoever. Mm. Yeah? Yeah. And I would like maybe to conclude because of time, or maybe we have still five minutes. See, we have to understand that what is haram in sharia, yeah? What is haram in sharia is not haram only because of the akhirah or because it is the right of Allah Jalla Yeah? You rarely find a haram like this. You mm -hmm. might find some haram related to some acts of ibadah. Mm -hmm. But haram other than this, 
It has impact on our life. It's harmful. It is harmful. Okay. And therefore, people should not say, well, well, let us compromise on the haram. Because it will be counterproductive in the dunya, not necessarily in the akhirah. That's why this haram, for example, a riba, which is a big sin, gharar, uncertainty, is not a big sin. And the Prophet ﷺ did not say that it is a sin, even. The Prophet ﷺ, he prohibited this kind of, yeah, because it leads to some problems. That's why some scholars said, what is the illa, the legal cause behind the prohibition of riba? Is it because there is no consent between both sides? Is there any cheating? Or is it in of itself? Yeah? Yeah. So, no, the illa is there is no consent. There is a possibility of a cheating. Yeah. And therefore, if there is a consent and there is no possibility of cheating, it can be overlooked. Hmm. However, riba in, in of itself. itself yeah. Yes, in of itself is problematic. Yeah? In of itself, the illa is exchanging money for more amount of money or a riba or a riba for a different amount of riba and Allah Jalla made it what made it as a source of problems yeah that's why Allah Jalla says alladhina ya'kuluna riba la yaquumuna illa kama yaquum alladhi yatakhabbatu shaytanu min almas and that's why the, the prohibition of riba is a grave prohibition, unlike the prohibition of gharat. Hmm. So the Prophet ﷺ said that Allah cursed the riba, the one who consumes riba, the one who gives riba, and the one who facilitates, yeah, you know, the contract of riba. So it is not any prohibition. So we cannot compromise on it. Yeah. And consuming riba, for example, mortgage. Now many people say that. You know, there is a fatwa that you can have one house, okay, on conventional mortgage. And we say no, because this is, although you might think that it is a a solution for you, but that is in a micro short term, Mm. but on a macro term, this will damage the economy. And the main reason behind this recession of 2008 was what? Was the prime mortgage. Yeah. yeah, if you remember that. So, riba, the haram of riba is not a solution, even for one house. And this is what our brothers and sisters have to understand. And I always say that if you are thirsty, you might think that salty water is what? Is going to extinguish your thirst. Mm. But in reality, you might think that drink it, it will make your problem worse. Yeah, yeah, I think that makes sense. Sheikh, I mean, let's park I think, the Islamic mortgages because I think that's mm. going to take a bit of time yeah. to kind of get into. Mm. The final thing perhaps for today that would be really helpful, I think, mm. is how do we as Muslims navigate uh, difference? There's so many different opinions out there, especially on these technical matters of Islamic finance, mm. where Muslims, ordinary Muslims won't really even know what this is all about. Yeah. How does an ordinary Muslim navigate this? I agree. See, again, this is a very long subject. However, let us make it short. If, okay, the person has a trust, because, see, Allah Jalla says uh, in the Quran, mm-hmm. 
أن يكون لهم الخيارة من أمرهم. So refer it to Allah and His Messenger. You might not be able yourself to refer it to Allah and His Messenger. What to do? Then follow what you believe that this is a reference to Allah and His Messenger hmm. by following a scholar whom you believe that he is what he is telling what Allah Jalla wants and what the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam wants. This is in a nutshell. Yeah. However, you might say, well, I trust both scholars, yeah. this and that. And they, and they disagree. <laughs> yeah, and they disagree. Yeah. In this case, I always say, see, in sensitive matters that have riba, etc., double check. And I am sure that if people double check, they will come up with a conclusion. The problem is when people double check, they are motivated by a desire. Mm. Yeah. Some people, of course, not all. Yeah. And I say to people, if you go to your eye doctor, if he tells you, take this medicine and you heard that this medicine is dangerous for your eyes. Yeah. Will you risk it and take it? Probably not. Most likely yeah. not. You will double check until you make sure that this is safe. This is really yeah. medicine. We should treat issues related to Islamic finance and many other sensitive issues mm. like that. Mm. Yeah. No, Jazakallah khair, Sheikh. Probably we should end there. I, mm. I feel like this, you know, we could probably talk for three, four hours here. Yes, yes. Um, yes inshallah, exactly. we should. Maybe we should do regular things. Yeah, and, maybe, and, inshallah. You know, get your knowledge. Um, Jazakallah khair once again for making the time. Jazakallah khair. Um, this is maybe a taster for you and for my <laughs> the, the brothers and sisters. And then, inshallah. Inshallah. Maybe we can, yeah. Let's do it. Carry on, yeah, on no. uh, this discussion. Absolutely. Jazakallah khair. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. If you got this far, you must have enjoyed the podcast, which means you'll definitely love our other episodes and other content we produce as well, inshallah. Be sure to check out the website, islamicfinanceguru.com, as well as our YouTube channel and social media. Until next time, assalamu alaikum.